Now, the friends who are listening in over there, I'd like you to listen to me just for a minute or two about some things I want to say to you, because I want you to hear what I'm about to say, too. Now, this year, from the very beginning, uh, we have felt very strangely impressed to talk to you along a morale-building line. Now, I do not know how much I'll be here after this uh, semester. Maybe after Christmas, I may be away most of the time. But I think, without any spirit of boasting, that I ought to be a pretty good person for this kind of a message. I'll tell you why. I have had uh, 52 years of rough and tumble experience. And I know the different sections of America, and I know what's going on in the realm of religion out in the practical contacts over the country. And I see some great perils that concern me. I'm seriously concerned. I'm not just saying this. I'm seriously concerned. I never was in more normal state than I am now. I think my mind's functioning normally. I think so. And I've had more experience than usual. Now, before we started this year, we got together and talked over this school from every standpoint. The one who have responsibility for the administrative details here. Now, we discussed a great many problems, and they're important problems, too. So we agreed on this procedure. We said, now, uh, if we have any asset, we do think we have it, the greatest asset we have here is our sane evangelistic religious emphasis. It's fervent but sane. Now, there's no insanity about our evangelistic emphasis. We've never gone off to any tangent. We haven't uh, gone off to extremes. Uh, we don't object to other people going off to extremes. But as far as we are concerned, we believe that God called us into existence to follow a middle-of-the-road emphasis that would have a practical appeal to all of God's people, uh, regardless of whether they agree about everything or not. Now, we talked it over and said, uh, next to that practical evangelistic emphasis, the thing that sets this school apart, that we've got to keep here through years to come, is our insistence upon the Christian philosophy of self-control. Now, we went over this. This is all a part of a planned campaign. All these talks I'm giving, everything I've been saying here, it's a part of a prayerfully worked out uh, program of emphasis that has to do not only with the present, but with the future. And we think it's a program that's meeting a tremendous need in this country. And I want to talk to you about something this morning that's become a very great peril in our nation. So now, don't think that we are overly excited or that we've gone off to any tangent. Uh, we are back where we were when we started this school, uh, when we had a small student body where at chapel, uh, day in and day out, we drill into them the philosophy. We had no traditions. We had nobody there had ever been in such a place before. And we started out experimenting, believing that we were right. We know now that we are right. Our students out in the world know we are right. And uh, we are needed in this country. Now, I don't mean that you need many schools like this. I don't say that uh, you need them all over the world, but this school's needed. In the testimony of, of America today in the world, this emphasis is tremendously needed. Now, we're emphasizing that. So at the beginning of school this year, we said, uh, now the thing to do if we're going to keep this school right is to keep it right. Anybody goes wrong, try to help them, get them converted. And if they don't fit in, just check them all. Uh, let's, let's keep the crowd that'll gather around Jesus Christ and the Christian philosophy and the Christian emphasis and the Christian discipline of this institution. Now, I've been running into something that's distressed me recently. I think it's a growing, it's almost become blasphemous in this country. I really do think, I think there's a little uh, touch of blaspheme in it. 
Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. We expelled a fellow from school this year. He violated all the rules that he signed up here. Now, he went away from here. And he went back here and said, uh, I'm in another place where I'm under grace. Last I heard of him, he'd been campus out there, so he must have some law there too. He said, I'm under grace. Now, let me tell you something. That's getting to be almost blasphemous in this country. And it's not scriptural. It's all outlined the Word of God. That's, that kind of stuff is Tommy Rowe. It's blasphemous. I want to tell you right now that grace is no substitute for a hickory stick. Grace, <laughs> grace is no substitute for discipline. Grace is no substitute for self-restraint. Now, wait a minute. Let's, let's understand that. Now, I don't want this school to ever get a sort of a pious sort of an attitude that and I never heard a fellow say that in my life that wasn't up to something. He'll talk about you. I never heard a fellow say that in my life who was living right. No student ever said that on Bob Jones University campus that didn't want to get away with something carnal. Doesn't belong there. It, it is not the language of salvation. It's a language on the lips of carnality. Now, let's get this thing straight. Let's understand. Now, don't you fall for that kind of stuff. You've got to all over this country. There's one school in America, I could name it, called Fundamental Evangelical School. And they've got the rules in their book, in their catalog, I read them. Now, you, this is unthinkable. And those rules said that they are here merely as a matter of suggestion. You know, uh, other words, don't expect you to keep them. But they ought to take them out of the book. There ought not to be any law on the statute book of this nation that's left that is enforced. Once in a while they dig up some old statue somewhere that's been there a hundred years and find it. And they happen to find it back a hundred years ago in this country. And they say, there's that law. And they dig it up. And then they uh, say, we found this old law back there. been there. When you get a law that you don't need because of a change of conditions and a change of time and circumstances, it ought to be taken off the books. And said, now this is a matter of suggestion, this book said, and this catalog said, and then went on down further and said this. It said, uh, uh, we believe in freedom. This is a free country, and we, listen to me, freedom. You know people are riding that horse to hell in this country. The freedom horse. Now, I'm not talking about freedom of worship. I'm not talking about freedom of liberty. I'm not talking about the sort of freedom we enjoy from a governmental standpoint. I thank God for the freedom of the press and the freedom of worship and freedom, all the kind of freedom I'm for that. Don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But there are people in this country who are talking about my personal freedom as a Christian. That means let me do what I please. We've got a fellow that's a graduate of this school that attended several years ago a summer camp. And he said to me, he said, Dr. Bob, I was never in such a place in my life. He said, it was nothing on this earth but a glorified necking place. That's all it was. God of hosts be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. And another fellow told me about that place. He said, I was at three times, three summers, and I never was in such a place. And I have confidence those two men. One of them is a student here now, tied up with his institution. The other is a former student of this school. They're honorable fellows. They're not going around over the country hailing that thing. 
You know what I met? I've met girls in America and boys in America who have gone to hell at these places where they talked about freedom and I'm under grace. And I'm telling you now, we get in a bad fix. I held a camp meeting like that a few years ago. And conviction came down on the crowd and they... Worst confessions I ever heard from the lips of the fallen, I heard from lips of some young people. I wanted them from the home to preach. Talking about grace. I'm under grace. She wasn't. She was under license. She called liberty and freedom. Now take this verse right here. That as sin hath reigned unto death. Always death. Death. Death, that's the way it reigns unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life but Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me tell you something. Grace that saves reigns through righteousness. Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid in total the debt. All the penalty that hung over your head was on him as far as your salvation is concerned. He died in your place. He died on your account. He took your place. And you're saved not by anything you can do. You're saved by what he did because you accept what he did for salvation. That's grace that saves. But that grace that saves reigns through righteousness. God Almighty won't do wrong. And God Almighty wouldn't save a poor, lost, miserable sinner until in his infinite wisdom he worked out a holy plan of salvation. By grace, are you saved? All right. Now I'm saved by the grace of God. If I had to die today, I'd put my arms across my breast if I was conscious. I'd look up with my staring eyes in the face of God and say, In my hand, no price I bring. Can't save myself. Can't earn it. Can't pay for it. Jesus bought it with his blood. The grace of God. Grace of God. Wonderful, wonderful grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now that sounds good. Saved. Now Paul wanted to warn somebody right there. Paul said, now don't misunderstand me. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? He said, shall we continue to live like the world lives? Continue to live like sinners live? Continue to do what other men do? Continue to live like we used to live? Continue to be what the world is. Shall we continue to sin in sin because of grace? He said, uh, God forbid. I'd like that prayer on record in heaven from the heart of Paul to be written with transforming power upon our hearts today. God forbid. Let me tell you something. Listen, listen. If you live like the devil, you're going to die and go to the devil. If you live like sinners, you're going to hell. The grace of 
God doesn't condone sin. The unmerited favor of God that saves a trusting sinner is no excuse for wrongdoing. It's something that keeps you from it. For there isn't any truth the Bible set aside by this business. There isn't a principle in the Bible destroyed. I hope I can speak to you before I leave. Maybe I can on the text. Whatsoever man soweth actually also reaps addressed to Christian people. God didn't set aside the law of sowing and reaping because he saved people. God Almighty won't let his best child get away wrongdoing. You listen to me. God Almighty would take every angel in heaven and cast them out of heaven and put them all in hell and lock up the human race in hell and blot out this universe forever before he do one thing that isn't right or condone one thing is wrong. God Almighty won't do anything wrong. This strutting stuff around here, folks sin. I never heard one of them go around and shoot that hot ass stuff around. I believe in grace to make me what I ought to be. It saves you. But the laws of growth are still there. Now, if anybody ever believed in grace, Paul ought to believe in it. One time he's going down the Damascus Road on his way to kill some people. Fighting grace. And all at once this happened to him. Struck him down, you know, this light from heaven and power from heaven. And he got up and said, what do you have me to do? And God told him. First thing he did, he did what God told him to do. He took orders from heaven. That's one of the sure signs that you run to grace is that you take orders. If you won't take orders from the proper established authority and the authority over Paul that day was the voice of a risen Christ. But you go on down yonder. Paul got down there and began light broke in more completely on him. Scales dropped his eyes. And Paul said, I put my body under. But Paul wasn't a student in Bob Jones University. He was a man. He knew how to keep his body under. He'd been disciplined like that all his life. He had that kind of an educational background. He put his body under. He wasn't enrolled in anybody's school but Almighty God's school. He graduated. He had an education. He is settled. Now, I haven't any boys. I'm 66 years old, be 67 in a week. Not a student here in Bob Jones University. I'm under. I'm under grace. I'm not under discipline here. Nobody around here tells me what to do except the board of trustees. Don't do right. They elect another chairman. But I'm not a student here. I'm a man. But I had some discipline. When I was a boy, I had a daddy with a muzzle-loading shotgun and a ramrod. And a voice of authority. Listen. You don't know how to take discipline if you haven't been disciplined. That's the reason these folks in this age, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I do as I please. Nobody tells me who's going to hug me. Anybody want to hug me? Here I am. Come hug me. I'm under grace. Hallelujah!
self-control. Listen. If you don't get some discipline when you are young, you'll never be the best quality Christian. Now, wait a minute. You can go to heaven by grace, but you will forever on this earth have a treasure from heaven in a vessel that's not the right kind of vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure from heaven is spotless and holy and good and clean. And morally I may be somewhat decent as far as gross sins are concerned. But I'm not the kind of vessel God wants me to be unless I've been disciplined. And that's what's the matter with Christianity today. That's the reason it's so diluted. That's the reason young people who call themselves Christians and under grace are living like the devil in many places. And that's the reason the guns of this modernistic, superficial, undisciplined crowd are tearing upon an institution that insists upon this. Those old Puritans believed in grace. Jonathan Edwards believed in it. I've been up in New England recently. I was never as sad as I was in New England this time. Many good people up there. But New England isn't the New England of Jonathan Edwards. Listen, there wasn't a night that I spoke in the city hall in Lewiston, but what I had to stop and tell somebody to get quiet and quit cutting up. Not one single night. For 15 nights and uh, three Sunday afternoons, every time I stood up to preach, I said, you young folks cut out that thing. That's New England. They all believed in grace I was talking to. But they needed some of that old red-blooded discipline of the Puritans. This country's in one grand mess. There isn't any place I speak on earth as disciplined as this crowd. You can speak to this crowd here with a thrill you don't get away on earth. Everybody tells so when they come here. Not once in a month do you have to stop to correct anybody any time with all these people, all the exuberance of you. Listen, it's good training for you to come to chapel. It's good for your character. It's good for your leadership. It's good training for you to be at your table on time. You've got no business talking about getting training for Christian leadership when you cut a class in school. Unless you have a legitimate excuse. How many cuts do we like? Certain number of cuts because you have to go home. Maximum doesn't mean you have to take them. Some of these schools come when you want to come. Stay away when you want to stay away. Yes, there wouldn't have been any kid talking in Jonathan Edwards' day up in an auditorium in New England. There wouldn't be any of that hip who were all stuffed 
and all that kind of hip raw stuff that you have in a lot of these religious meetings now. Not in those days. Discipline. Under grace, yeah. But God didn't set aside any of the rules. Train up a child and the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. The idea of taking an 11-year-old kid and say, I'm under grace. I'll come and I want to come, Mama. You call me, Mama, and I'll come if I want to. If Grace says come, I'll, I'll go, but I'll ask Grace. Uh, you know, Grace tells me to stay out here and play with the children. I don't like anybody my mother to call me. Put them in mind to be subject to authority. Put them in mind. Put whom in mind? The folks who are saved by grace, drill it into them, remind them of it. Discipline. Authority. If you don't mind your mother, you'll break all the laws. When you get grown, you can break and get away with it. If you ever have a family, Tell your children that the grace of God saves them and then read Titus to them. And tell them the grace of God's appeared to all men teaching them. Say, did you know a teacher isn't necessarily a disciplinarian? You know, the penalty in this school, the teachers keep the records in school and there's a discipline committee uh, that passes discipline. Did you know grace might teach you something without enforcing it? You know, grace does teach you what? Denying yourself. That's what Jesus did to say. Live godly, be a good man, a good woman. That's what grace says. And God gives us enough grace to do it. But Grace teaches. But you haven't learned the lesson of grace. If you don't know how to put your heel on yourself and put yourself down and you don't know the lesson of grace... If you sign a statement to live up to the rules and regulations of an institution and don't live up to them, you haven't learned the lesson of grace. Listen, you haven't learned the lessons of grace if you're not subject to the authorities, the authority and the law of your country, if you're a lawbreaker. The powers that be are ordained of God. Grace may take you to heaven but you hadn't learned what grace would like to have you know to learn about living down here. Now, wait a minute. Did you know this thing getting to be almost profanity in some quarters? Now, the Bible says, He that believeth not shall be damned. That's not profanity. But it's profanity for a man to walk out here and use the name of deity to damn somebody. That's perversity. That's presumption. It's all right for God to damn a man that doesn't believe. God didn't tell me to damn him. I say it's all right for God, but it's blasphemy if I try to do it. Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. That doesn't mean you're not to have opinion. 
I'm sick of that. I see a fellow stealing out yonder. I say, yonder's a thief. Somebody judge, not you mean I judged. <laughs> How we pervert the scripture. Judge not, listen. He said you can know a tree by the fruit it bears. A tree that bears the fruit of stealings, a, a crooked, thievish tree. But he said, judge not, you be not judged. He means I'm not to usurp the place of God. That's perversion. I stood up and sent him to hell. I say on the thought of the Bible, if you don't accept Jesus, you go to hell. I'm telling you what God said. I don't sit down and send them to hell. That's blasphemy. Wait a minute. Grace? Grace? I'm under grace. Grace does it for me. I'm not under law. You are as far as salvation is concerned. You're under grace. But you're under law as far as living is concerned. Grace tells you to keep the law. Grace says to children, obey your parents. And we're trying to enforce what grace says in this good. Grace says, husbands, love your wife. Treat her right. I know one fellow that I've heard him preach on grace and I wasn't, I was in home for dinner and he didn't speak one kind word to his wife. He's a beautiful example of a grace preacher. Cruel, miserable, good-for-nothing, low-down scoundrel. Wife had swept and tugged and toiled and borne him babies and nursed them and loved them and cared for his family and cooked his food and darned his socks. And kept that parson home right. And here he was talking about under grace and letting his wife wasn't even kind. He didn't know anything about grace in the practical sense. Grace says to a woman, Be your husband. Be subject to her. Grace says that. And your woman that went around over this country and talked grace, 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 grace. She talked to me about her husband and mean, but mean of everything I ever heard a woman say about her husband. Accused of everything on earth. He was as innocent as good a man as I've ever known. Deliver me from that type grace preaching, that type grace living. Child said, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I trust Jesus. And doesn't mind his mother ought to be paddled. His mother doesn't paddle him or put him in a closet and make him mine. She's not living up to the standards of grace because the grace of God doesn't set aside any of these practical laws in the Bible. You know what you children ought to do? You know what you boy and girl ought to do? You ought to get on your knees before Almighty God and thank God Almighty you're in an institution. You ought to once a day... Did I say, oh, Lord, God, thank you that I'm here where I'm learning some practical values about how to live as a Christian on the grace all the way. And listen to me. Don't you ever go out to Bob Jones University in this country and say, well, you know, I'm under grace. If I want to do something, it's all right. Nobody tells me. I go ahead and live. God says you'll reap what you sow to. You may not wake up in hell... But you'll wake up in an earthly hell someday. They're doing that all over this country. I have a letter on my desk now that broke my heart and I read it. 
She believed in grace. She had no discipline. And I'm talking to somebody right here this morning from some respectable home that down in the depths of your heart you absolutely know why I'm telling you the truth. You stepped over bounds because you didn't listen to God that said avoid all appearance of evil. Resist the devil. Free your thalos. You know something? We're going in just a minute. If you'll heed these chapel talks I've made you this year, they'll do something for you. I never had any Bible teaching like this now as a boy. Nobody gave it to me. But I got a hickory stick discipline that helped me. If I'd have had some hickory stick discipline with all this Bible teaching I'm giving you, been worth something. I'm talking to some of you young people right now. You never have obeyed your parents. You had your own way about everything. You talked to your mother and you broke down resistance. And you never had discipline. And listen, we never had trouble in our life in this school with any student from any home. If a student was normal, that was brought up with the right kind of discipline. Whenever we ship one, there's somebody that gave his kid too much money or was too indulgent or allowed him to do what he pleased. That is, if a student's normal. Now, sometimes you get abnormal people. Some people's minds don't function well. You get people not. You can't judge them that way always. The grace of God. Don't ever tell people anymore when you want to do something carnal and wrong that you're under grace. No student ever said on this campus, I believe in being trusted instead of having restrictions that didn't want to do something carnal. If your roommate says, I want to be trusted, don't trust her. If you want to be trusted, you can say you can watch me anytime, anywhere. Look me over. Of course you don't want to do what you're told to do. Carnal nature never has. Of course not. Of course you don't want to. Grace says you ought to whether you want to or not. And you listen to Grace. And you thank God for the fact that God didn't set aside any of the practical rules that he established for Christians to live by. And you are not old enough and haven't had enough experience and you haven't had enough training to get away from chaperonage. Whenever there's a young people's party that they don't want chaperones, they want to play with the devil. Decent young people with a Christian testimony to preserve want to go to parties as a chaperone because they want to be able to live above reproach and question in the world. 
chaperone. This words that are being forgotten today. Lord God, raise us up a Jonathan Edwards. Put some Puritan iron in our blood. Give us some more mothers like John Wesley's mother. Give us some of the rugged character of Calvin. Give us some more men in pulpits that will thunder law and judgment at the people. And God keep Bob Jones University like it is only better. Day in and day out, so in the years to come, when your girl's about ready for college and you don't know what to do, you'll have your days of concern like your mother had hers with you. And she's been sleeping in peace since you've been down here. And you say, well, I know where I can send her. Bob Jones used to stand up there, the old man, and talk to us at chapel. He's dead and gone. But he drilled it into them where they never forgot it. They've kept it that. And God Almighty will reward you for helping us keep it that way. And you better help us keep it that way. It's got to be something that's got to be kept somewhere. It isn't going to be kept anywhere. These are awful days. We thank thee, O God, for the grace of God. We thank thee that we are saved by grace. Every one of us ought to be in hell on our base of our own merit. By grace through faith and the atoning blood of Christ. But we thank thee that he is obedient. Obedient that our own Savior was subject to his parents. Son of God. Respectful to his mother. And his father needed somebody to bring him a hammer in the carpenter shop. The boy Jesus obeyed him and brought it. Subject to authority. Subject to God. Obedient even unto the death of the cross. And went there and died with all the sins of the world upon him. So God could save any sinner. However vile the sinner might be, God could save him without compromising his holiness. Thank thee for this grace. But, oh, Lord, God help us who are under it to quit abusing it and using the language that belongs to the carnal nature. Save us from blasphemy. Save us from the blasphemous words on the lips of some folks that talk grace. And keep this school true. Oh, God, keep it true. Help us to be faithful. For Jesus' sake, amen.